Welcome to Educate to Self-Regulate, a podcast for educational leaders, teachers, and students, where in less than 20 minutes, we unpack educational research to support you and your students to become better learners. Welcome back, listeners, to the Educate to Self-Regulate podcast. Shyam, how are you doing, my friend? I'm well, mate. It's a Wednesday afternoon, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good, actually. How are you? I'm well. It's been a while since we've recorded a podcast, but we have been speaking and seeing each other a lot in between podcasts. We have. Um, we, we've taken our collaboration to a, a whole nother level. For anyone who was in Melbourne who managed to catch up with us at the National Education Summit in Melbourne, Rory and I collaborated on our first conference presentation where we actually took some of our thinking and ideas, uh, some of the stuff we talk about here in this podcast to a live audience so that was really nice we had something like 35 40 educators in the room yeah, which wasn't um, bad for a saturday morning at nine o'clock that's true they were very engaged and you know lots of good questions and lots of great feedback um but what was really fun was just presenting with you my friend in yeah. that live it, uh, i feel very lucky because it was really my first foray into speaking at a conference i've obviously spoken for the staff and students and things and parents at school but had never taken my knowledge outside of the school walls before so while that is incredibly intimidating I felt like it was a lot easier for me to do because I was there with you and I very much appreciated that I wonder I have a question for you what was the main difference for you between presenting individually and presenting with someone and it could be to do with the preparation or on the day or whatever but i'm intrigued i think and you might be more familiar this with this than i am because you team teach in your school setting is that it's you have to have a greater awareness of perhaps time and almost social presence like i had to be aware of the segments that you were potentially going to chime in for as opposed to me just regulating my own time i had to think about us as a duo and how we were navigating that and also allowing for that more natural bouncing off someone else's yeah. energy as opposed to just me. And so I think that was something that I found myself more aware of. I wasn't necessarily challenged by it, but I was definitely more aware of it. It's something I think that I tried to prepare for in that when I was doing the sections that I was in charge of was to also drop in references to you and the things that you do and maybe how you've helped me develop my knowledge as a way to kind of like acknowledge the joint endeavor that we were on. Thanks so much. It's really the story and the journey of us as a duo and the way that we're slowly developing our knowledge together, but also trying to share that um, in new Take spaces. Take on new projects and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, this podcast is one of those it is. beautiful projects. And today, I know this season we'd spoken about cognition and metacognition, but I've been reading and doing a lot of thinking about task values and interests. So it's a motivational concept. And it's actually high on my radar for two reasons. One is that the lovely folk at the Victorian Academy of Teaching and Leadership have posted me doing some work with them around risk-taking in English. I'm now being invited to do some work with humanities teachers around student motivation for learning. The other reason is that, as many of you know, I'm doing a project with the Association of Independent Schools in the ACT, and part of that project is some online modules, and the online module that I'm currently working on and developing is one that was focused on task values and interest. So it's just been high on my radar. 
And as a result of that, Rory, I flicked you an article, which was a review study of interventions for increasing student value or perceptions of value and their interests. What did you think about that article? (laughs) Before we get into the article, I feel like there's something I need to get off my chest. (laughs) And that is that as I was reading it before we came on and I made some notes this morning, and as I was reading it, I had this overwhelming sense of like, I don't want to say like it was a negative feeling, but it was just a heightened awareness of the amount of different areas in which a teacher could potentially try to become proficient in or knowledgeable knowledgeable about in their pursuit of becoming a great teacher. And I almost found myself getting a little bit down and beating myself up as I was reading because I was thinking, gosh, how many people are thinking about whether or not they are trying to enhance the value of their teaching and learning while they're also or the enhancing the value of the learning experiences for students that they teach, while also working on behavior management and working on their instructional practice and working on their giving feedback and working on developing self-regulated learning skills. And I was rhyming off all these different things. And it, it sort of made me think that part and parcel of being a good teacher is not trying to pursue excellence in every area or become knowledgeable in every area, but just to manage that thinking that, a teacher can never be perfect in all areas and trying to just get better one or 2% each day is actually the thing that you should be aiming for. Sorry, I went off on a rant there, but that was the initial thought that, that came to me whenever I was reading the article. I imagine a lot of our listeners feel the same way, that there's so much to know and be aware of. I don't think you're alone. And the thing, it just keeps coming back to me, we've spoken about it multiple times, is this notion of self-regulation and even teaching being a practice right like early on when we first met in research space it was actually post phd Rory. you mentioned to me something along the lines of i think yeah i I disappeared from the school for nine months and then came back to do some work and then and you said to me oh wow it's amazing how you as a prompt or a structure being back here has just put it front of mind again and i think that's what we need almost structures in schools or prompts in schools to help keep some of this afloat because there is so much competing for our attention as teachers that it is hard to do everything well all at once. And so I guess we do need schools and leaders and for us as professionals to think about what is most essential and what is most valuable right now for the young people in front of me. And so task values and interest as a motivational construct might be really important for you if you're trying to improve student motivation. But if student motivation is is already really high in your class, then then maybe task values and interests you can put to the wayside for now. Anyway, maybe. So ruthless prioritization about the thing that you think is most important. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. So I'll give you one of my main takeaways from the reading was this idea of utility value, which is one of the different types of value that a student can have it being something that potentially could be identified by students, teachers, or parents as something that can kind of be manipulated or brought to front of mind in order for students to become more interested and essentially more motivated in a task in which they're engaging in. Yes, yeah, and utility value is... 
only one of the sort of value beliefs. I know we did an episode around intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. I think intrinsic value really sits in that intrinsic motivation space. So if we think about a, a learner who has intrinsic value for a task or an activity, it means that the, the activity itself brings them a sense of joy, interest. So there's intrinsic value. There's this idea of attainment value, that a task is perceived as personally meaningful or important for them in some way, shape, and form. And then there's this third value belief, which you've mentioned is utility value, which is a perception that a task is really useful for a current or future goal. As you mentioned, this article that we were reading, which I will link in the episode notes, it was by Tibbetts et al. And it was published in 2015 from memory. It was titled Academic Motivation and Performance task value interventions. And part of the reason why I shared it with you, Rory, is I thought, oh, these these are great. These are intervention studies. So there's examples of how we can apply some of this motivational theory in practice. And so they were exploring a range of studies that had conducted interventions to improve utility value. I'm curious, Rory, of the many studies that were listed in that, was there any particular study or intervention that sort of struck you as interesting? There were multiple, but one of the ones that I found most interesting was the final one that was mentioned in the paper. I think it was a 2012 study that was built within the paper that we're reviewing. And in that study, the researchers actually targeted parents of students at schools and they wanted to develop the parents' knowledge in utility value of specific subjects. I think they were STEM subjects at school so that they could lead conversations with their children at home over, I think it was a two-year period. So they sent out brochures across two different years that kind of targeted the utility value of, I think it was like maths and science and things like that. And they found that the students of those parents ultimately ended up enrolling in more complicated or challenging STEM subjects. And I don't want to go out on a limb and say that they had better educational outcomes, but the enrollment was definitely higher. And so the idea was that because they use parents as an untapped resource, I think that was the title of the section, parents as an untapped resource, that they were able to use parents as an opportunity to then influence students' understanding of the utility value of those subjects, which I thought was interesting because I'd never seen that before. And I think that you're absolutely right. We're starting to see an acknowledgement of the role of parents in education now, more so than ever in terms of this kind of triangle between teachers, parents, and students. So yeah, that, I, that makes sense. Is that wraparound idea of school now so that everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet so that there's real clarity around the conversations around school? There can be times whenever parents are dangling the carrot of a uh, a trip or a an extrinsic reward, which might not necessarily the be, be the best motivational tool for a student who's striving to get an A so they can get a reward. And that A might not necessarily be the best indicator of success for that child. It might just be a bit out of reach. Yes. <laughs> were there any uh, areas of the study that you were interested in? Yeah, there was... A couple of, well, there were so many studies in that review, but yeah. one group of authors, Hulliman and colleagues, so there were a couple of studies, studies with uh, university students, but also high school students, and there was consistency or some consistency in their intervention. And I think the intervention was the really interesting part. Was it was a relatively simple intervention in getting students just to take a moment to pause and think about how the task or the learning or the material was of value and usefulness 
to the students for them in that moment. And that very simple intervention, they claim to have increased students' interest for the task, but also for the subject. And in one of their studies, they, I think they may have tracked, and again, you'd have to go back to the article to get the ins and outs of this, but there was a statement that alluded to that having a long-term effect for yeah, career choices. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you remember yeah. reading that? And I thought that was yeah. really interesting about how these these small practices in classrooms and increasing task value for a topic or a subject or an activity could have long-lasting effects for potential career choices in the future. And that's something that I find so interesting. It wasn't a teacher-led conversation about, oh, this subject could be valuable to you for X or the or Y. It was actually just creating the space and the prompt to, oh, think about how this course could be valuable for you in the future. Like, so the student was coming up with all of the ideas themselves. Yeah, and I could see that playing out in the classroom. Like that is really just like, hey, take two minutes to to write a sentence or write a paragraph for how this might be useful for you. And that really is about increasing that perception of value for a student who might not be able to see it. And and by gathering kind of perspectives in the classroom, you're essentially generating a list of benefits of value from the task. And I think that's useful. Um, what other things that Rory, I'm, I'm curious because no doubt you dabble in the space of doing things in your classrooms around task value. What comes to mind for you? Whenever I read this article, it actually reminded me of something that I don't do anymore. So much of these like quality practices that you used to have can kind of fall away and you don't really know why. But I used to do, whenever I, uh, in my previous school, when I used to share my learning intentions and success criteria, I had a display board for doing that. And as part of the display board, there was a globe. So like a picture of a globe was stuck on the wall beside the learning intention success criteria. So after you shared that and you discussed the success criteria, you then had a question, which was, how is this learning relevant to me and my world? And that was an opportunity without me knowing what utility value was at the time. It was an opportunity for the students to share what the value of the learning experience would be for them. So whether it's wanting to become a better writer so that they can communicate better or because they want to write a magazine or a book or like I have some students in my class now that will probably say, oh, that I want to do really well in as many subjects as I can because I want to be school captain. Like I know that there are students in my class that are 12 years old that think that. Yes, I can. So while that's like a, I almost see it as like an extrinsic reward at least they know that that is that they're placing value on the learning experience for that reason. And they probably then also think that once they become school captain, that allows them to get into a better university course and so on and so on and so on. So there's um, attain, attainment value almost in, yeah. the, in that result. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's the opportunity just, you know, while sharing learning intentions or success criteria to ask that question about utility value. Might only take a minute or two, but it could be extremely valuable. What about you? Well, I was actually thinking of your what's my why strategy that you spoke oh, yeah. about in one of our previous, previous episodes. episodes. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll link it in anyway. Um, but one strategy that I've recently generated, which is informed by this research, is what I'm calling the for future me strategy. And the sentence then that I'm kind of building into that strategy is simply learning this now. So learning whatever this material is or this skill now will benefit me in the future how. And so um, I just think that's a really neat question to prompt students with, to get them thinking. Um, and I guess it's not too dissimilar from the Holloman and colleagues intervention, but 
this time you're using a really clear prompt to get students to reflect. Of course, there's many other approaches here that we could talk about, but in the essence of time, we're bringing it back, guys, on the red, red, just at least for today, we're not sure. Uh, Rory, how do you apply this task value kind of thinking in your own life? Um, Well, this goes back to probably my point at the beginning of the episode around like the busyness of teachers and trying to be across everything. And sometimes I'll have to be honest with you, Shai, whenever I'm doing or preparing for this podcast, I often think to myself about, you know, gosh, is this like one thing too extra that I am trying to achieve or trying to do? But then I go through the different reasons why this podcast is of value to me. And if we map over the different types of values that you talked about earlier on, so intrinsic value, it brings me joy and happiness to have a conversation with you. I'm always, I always feel uplifted afterwards. The attainment value um, as my identity as a, a learner who wants to contribute to the greater society, I think that there's attainment value in us engaging in this and putting it out there to the world. Um it's also so it's also a difficult thing and i feel like i'm a person who likes to do difficult things so this is definitely every time i come on here and put myself out of my comfort zone and then the utility value is it's part of my personal brand i suppose so if i was to ever go to another school or start my own business or anything like that there is something out there that is representative of me and so it uh it acts as a a representation of me out in the world and the things that i value and the things that i stand for so while not knowing it directly, uh, there is lots of different ways in which I get value from this, which makes me motivated to continue it. What about yourself, Shai? Wow. Um, I love that. That's so nice to hear, Rory, that uh, you get so much value out of our podcast, as do I. Um, I would say for me in the on the, on the reg, uh, those strategies that we have spoken about that we could use in classrooms I think I use those strategies. So what's my why for future me um, kind of thinking in almost like a, an evaluation for a decision. So when I'm thinking about a future goal, um, I'm really thinking about how much value an activity or a skill or a task is going to have. And therefore that's influencing whether or not I engage in the activity and make a choice to do it. So it's slightly different from the student scenario where we're trying to in- increase their task value because they have to do a task. Yep. Um, I'm using it to make a choice whether or not I engage in the task full stop. Um, that's probably it. Thanks, Shaq. If you are a new listener to the podcast, make sure you share it with friends, save it or subscribe. And if you have any questions, and we really want to hear from our listeners, if you have any questions or comments, send us a DM through either of our social media channels, which is Twitter and Instagram, at ed to self As always, to you and everyone else out there, keep regulating.